Welcome. This is William Evans, and you are listening to A Living World Story. Our guest today is Jacob Lieberman, a recognized authority and pioneer in the fields of light, vision, and consciousness. He's also a former resident of the Roaring Fork Valley, so it is with great pleasure we greet him today. Welcome, Jacob. Thank you so much, Will. It's uh, it's a pleasure just to, uh, yeah, just to even be with you long distance, but it just brings me back to my wonderful memories uh, in the Valley. Well, and it's a lovely day here. We, uh, we're really blessed because we don't have smoke from the fires to the west. Oh, terrific. Tell us, is your life today a living world story? Yeah. Yeah, my life is a living world story. You're absolutely right. So that means you trust your life. Absolutely. Without question. Because um, life is... um, Life defines uh, miraculous intelligence, wisdom, on every single level. And that's what we see as we look externally. That's what we see when we look at the workings of the body. So, in essence, everything in life is um, self-activating and self-regulating. So, in so a, yes, I trust that intelligence explicitly. And so there's a dimension to it in addition to seeing. Absolutely. But, of course, seeing is almost a global way of expressing understanding right. or knowing. When people say, I see, it's not... I see the eye chart. It's there's a knowing. I I I see clearly, even though there may be no optical components to this. What can you tell us about the relationship of light to your immune system? Well. I'm a living plant. <laughs> when when people think of plants and their relationship to sunlight, everybody just knows that every aspect of a plant's life is light-dependent. And a plant literally orients itself as the sun is rising to receive the optimal amount of light, which is the most potent environmental factor we have. And so the plant's life is dependent upon light. We now know that that same relationship exists for animals as well as human beings, that our entire physiology is light-dependent, and that, you know, you had mentioned vision before, 
And, of course, when we think of vision, we think of our eyes, and we think of those two eyes in the front of our face, and that they receive light, and we see the world, interpret the world, and respond to that light-activated information, and that's our performance in the world. What most people don't realize is that our cells also have eyes, and those eyes are just like the eyes in our head, are designed to detect and respond to light. Now let's talk about light. When people think of light, they step outside, and that's light. Well, actually, that isn't light. That's a perceptual phenomenon called brightness. It's an interpretation that has to do with the type of perceptual mechanism, the type of visual system an organism has, and how it relates to this energy that we call light. And by the way, that energy is totally invisible. And yet we, through the magic of that interaction between the energy of light, the perceptual mechanism, and something few people understand called consciousness, we have this experience of brightness and even coloration. So what I'm saying is that what our cells are detecting are single photons of light. Photons are non-material. They're totally invisible. They have no attributes. You cannot describe them. They don't behave in a logical manner. They follow the laws of quantum mechanics, which make it almost impossible to understand with the mind because they're inseparably connected. And so what I'm sharing is that every cell in our body, including the ones in the eyes in our head, are continually responding to an invisible energy that is fundamental to life, which we call light. It uses that invisible energy before we have any conscious awareness of it and uses that information to guide uh, the activity of all of our cells. The cell uses that information to orchestrate its internal function so that it can then synchronize itself with Mother Nature. Why is that important? Because throughout the 24-hour cycle, the light in the sky is continually changing. The brightness is changing. The spectral characteristics are changing. In the day, we have sunlight. In the night, we have reflected sunlight, which we call moonlight, which is a softer quality of the same light. We have starlight at night. And our physiology is inseparably connected with those subtle changes of light throughout the 24-hour cycle. In fact, the Nobel Prize in 2017 was awarded to three U.S. scientists who discovered the molecular mechanism by which our cells 
continually interact with changing information about light to create harmony and wellness in the life of a plant, an animal, or a human being. So we cannot live without light. And light has a... How can I say this? It's so difficult to speak about this because the Bible refers to God, the creative force, as light. Spiritual texts refer to consciousness, which they see as the creative force, as light. And the foundation of quantum mechanics, the physics that has accurately described the workings of more than 50% of all the technology we have today is based on quantum mechanics. It's the most accurate scientific theory that has ever been developed. So light is foundational to all that is. And this is why when we have an insight, a light bulb goes off in our head. When we have uh, reach a spiritual awakening, we call it enlightenment. Uh, so there, light is a magnificent, lifelong uh, subject of interest for me because it touches all the different realms of our life and our health. Well, and your uh, your seeing is very panoramic. So, like a plant, you are not only in relationship with the light, but you're in relationship with your breath. And tell us yeah. about learning to trust your breathing. You know, one of the things that that all human beings know is that their bodies are in a continual dynamic state of expanding and then contracting and then expanding again. We call this the respiratory cycle, and we assume that we are breathing when, in fact, something is breathing us. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the breathing is not just occurring in the lungs. When breathing is occurring effortlessly, the entire body expands. And if so if you're laying on the floor, for instance, you initially will feel, you know, the abdominal area expanding and then the mid-chest and then the upper chest. But if you stay with it, you'll actually feel like your legs are lifting up off the ground because every part of you is inflating and then deflating. Now, what's interesting about this phenomenon that I discovered many years ago is that this is occurring everywhere in Mother Nature. All the trees, all the animals, even the earth itself is continually expanding and contracting and it's a measurable alternation. And that's happening in the solar system, 
and it's happening in the universe. So when we think of breathing, it's not an individual thing. It's literally uh, the way all living things are entrained by a fundamental rhythm in the universe. I call it the heartbeat of life or the frequency of wellness. And it's happening throughout the body. All of our cells, all of our organs, all of our glands, the vascular system continually expanding and contracting. Why is this so important? Well, in the very early days of my career in the early 70s, I did a lot of work with children initially that had difficulties learning. And they were diagnosed with learning disabilities or dyslexia or some minimal brain dysfunction. Well, what I discovered is that these kids, most of them were just brilliant. But something was interfering with their learning. And it reminded me of my own life story of being a kid that didn't read much and thought something was wrong with them. And so when I started working with kids in 19, actually even before I got out of school in the early 70s, I started noticing that every time a human being starts to think about something, which is a term that we use instead of the term worrying, because so much of our thinking is worrying. We're trying to orchestrate things so they come out in a way that's favorable to us. So what I notice is that kids in school are continually trying to figure things out in their mind. And I noticed that when they did that, or when they were working hard at things, it attenuated the breath. It literally caused them either to stop breathing or it attenuated their breath, so what we call clavicular breathing, it was just upper chest breathing, which meant that the cellular system throughout the body wasn't really getting enough oxygen to function at its maximum potential. And when I noticed that, I also remembered that, you know, when we're trying to remember something, we're really thinking about it, It never gets past the tip of our tongue until the effort subsides. And then it's almost as though the answer comes to us free of charge. And as I played around with that, I realized that learning is designed to be effortless. We don't really have to think about things. If we are just in a relaxed state and the breathing is happening fluidly, the answers we're looking for frequently come free of charge. I remember when Einstein was being interviewed one time. There's a famous story, and the journalist said to him, "Uh, how did you come up with the theory of relativity? And Einstein started laughing, and he said, oh, that came to me while I was playing piano. And that's exactly what I'm speaking about. Most of the great inventions 
In fact, over 50% of items that are patented are inventions. The inventor basically says to you they have no idea where it came from. It just sort of came to them. And so what I realized for myself is that we taught children how to work at things, how to effort at things, how to think ahead. And we do that to such a degree, not realizing that it often interferes with the process of learning rather than supporting the process of learning. And so I started developing approaches of working with children that didn't deal with teaching them to read or teaching them to see, but allowing them to experience what happens when the answer comes free of charge and also what happens when they approach things by thinking. And what I discovered is that when we're trying to think about things, the answer doesn't come. It comes when that actually stops. And so breathing is um, so fundamental to not only our life, but our health, that I saw this thing that we do all day long, which is learning, was we had been conditioned to learn with effort rather than effortlessly, which is what our organism is doing all day long. All day long, our bodies, our minds, our awareness is continually being updated. Our software is continually being updated so that we're always responding with our maximum potential. Most of what our thinking is, is worrying. It's an internal rehearsal in hopes of coming up with the right answer. And the problem with that is that it often steals the pleasure of experiencing genius. And genius, the original meaning of genius, is our guiding spirit of experiencing that which is continually guiding our lives so that each of us can uh, discover our purpose for being and fulfill our reason for being here. Right. This is uh, William Evans, and you are listening to Jacob Lieberman speak about light and our health. Yeah, in your, in your wonderful book, Luminous Life, you quote John O'Donohue telling us that our essence knows the geography of our destiny. Yeah. And if, if we can trust this, what he calls this indirect oblique side of ourself, if we let our essence take us where we need to go, it will also teach us a kindness of rhythm in our journey. Can you can you speak about the kindness of rhythm? You know, we have this beautiful expression. People often say, it caught my eye. What they're saying is something was looking for us 
and grabbed our attention. So the expression, it caught my eye, essentially means that something external to us is calling us. In other words, we've been led to believe that we're looking for life, but the expression that caught my eye has led me to realize that the intelligence of life is looking for us. Yes, that's lovely. And it catches our eyes, guiding us toward the next step of our journey. When we say, it caught my eye, we never ask the question, what is the it? The it that is inseparably connected with the eye is light. Light enters through the windows of the soul to the seat of the soul, the pineal, which is the regulator of regulators, regulating everything else in the body. So how does this relate to this kindness that you speak of? When the intelligence of life catches our attention, our eye reflexively moves towards it. The eye does not move voluntarily. In fact, there is no aspect of our physiology that initiates action. Our physiology is continually responding to something that catches our eye. Not only the eye of the eyes in the head, but all the eyes in all the trillions of cells in our body. And so when we follow that guidance, which, by the way, is effortlessly, the eye turns effortlessly toward the light, the body reorients itself effortlessly toward the light, and our direction is given to us, literally the stepping stones for the next place we are to be or go to is laid out for us. No thought necessary, no worry required, nothing to choose. Just follow where you're being guided. That path is softness. That path doesn't have any side effects. It is gentle, it is loving, it is compassionate, it is inclusive. It creates no side effects, no unintended calamities. And so when John O'Donohue is speaking about that, he is poetically describing the path of the peaceful warrior, he is describing what Gandhi said when, when he was leaving a, a city in India that he had spoken to thousands of people, and he was leaning out the door of the train, waving to the crowds, and a journalist was running along, and he said, Mr. Gandhi, Mr. Gandhi, what's your message for the people? And he said, my life is my message. Right. 
And what Gandhi was speaking about was the same thing O'Donoghue was speaking about. Our life, when lived as an expression of being guided by the soul, the essence of our humanity, each of our lives becomes a powerful expression. That's why we say actions speak louder than words, except these are actions without an actioner. These are not actions that require doing. These are effortless responses to life's continual invitations. So, Jacob, I, uh, we're about out of time, and I'm going to give you a question and then ask if you'd be so kind as to come back and give me the answer when we, uh, when we speak next. Sure. Um, when we first spoke, I told you I think we're in a transition, a paradigm yeah. shift. We're at a tipping point. And if we're caught in tunnel vision, we become vulnerable to the consequences of, of not seeing what's happening clearly. Right. And we can, we can benefit with the change and blend with the change if we see which direction it's moving. Right. So we're out of time, but I'm going to to save this, and then I'm going to start with that question again and ask you to, to talk about that. Beautiful. Thank you, Jacob. You're this, welcome. This is Katie and Kay. You've been listening to a conversation with Jacob Lieberman. Thank you for listening.